Mark chapter 11, verse 20, verse 22. This is what it says. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, someone shout go. Throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt. Someone shout, don't doubt in their heart but believes that what they say will happen it will be done for them therefore i tell you you can pray for anything you can pray for hasos as much as you want as little as you want whatever you want you can pray that's the literal greek translation you can pray for anything and if you believe that you have received it it will be yours And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. So that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that your word is true. We thank you that your word has authority, that one word from you, and everything has to change. That's how powerful your word is. I pray we would take it and write it on the tablets of our heart, putting our full weight upon it, Lord. Letting it be the light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. Letting it, your word guide us and mold us and shape us in the life you desire for us. I pray that today. And I pray, Lord, our hearts would be open for your word. I pray I would decrease so that, Holy Spirit, you would increase so that there would be an anointing in this house that would break every yoke, every stronghold, leading us into the place of faith. Brand new levels of faith today, I pray. Release that from heaven. Lord, you said in your word that whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven, but whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And so right now we bind any offense, God, in this place. We bind distractions, Lord. We bind the voice of the enemy right now. And we release faith in this house. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen, amen. High five, five people before you sit down. Tell them, say, don't doubt, forgive. Don't doubt, forgive. Come on. Awesome. Well, it's so good to see all of you this morning. I tell you, I'm so excited that you decided to join us. And so I hope you're equally excited to be here. And uh, by your lack of response, I'll take that as a yes. So, um, so whether you say anything or not, I'll just take it the way I want it. I'm just saying you learn to do that when you're married, but <clears throat> no, no, but for real, it's so good to see you guys. And listen, man, I'm telling you, I'm really excited about what God is going to do in us and through us in 2022. I'm telling you, I'm not just saying that. I believe it. And here's the reason I believe it so much that God's going to do amazing things because I believe with all my heart that God spoke the word of faith over this church, that that's the word for the year, faith. Someone shout faith. Faith. Yeah, that's our word, Uh, which is the reason why we're in this series titled Faith, 
right? Because God wants us trained in faith. And, and this excites me because faith, right? With faith, the Bible says nothing will be impossible for us who believe. Nothing will be impossible. See, it's, it's with faith the lame walk, okay? It's with faith that blind eyes are open. It's with faith that the sick are healed. The captive are set free by faith. And so, man, I'm excited what God's gonna do in us this year in 2022, depositing this gift of faith upon his body. Amen. And, and listen, and see, throughout scripture, Jesus makes these two statements frequently. He says, according to your faith, according to your faith, let it be done. And that's also what the Lord spoke to me. He said, man, the year for this year, the word is faith, but according to your faith, according to the power that's at work within you, you'll see me do great things. Jesus also says this. He says, go your faith has made you well. It's amazing. And what Jesus is simply telling us when he says that is God desires for us to operate in this powerful gift, this gift of faith. He desires for us to operate in it. And I, and I believe that, that now more than ever, the church needs to be seeking God for this specific gift of faith right now. And as I was talking to the Lord about it this week, uh, the Lord brought to my heart Isaiah chapter 55, verse six. As I'm engaging with him about faith and what he's going to do, God, God reminds me of Isaiah 55, verse six. And I wish I could tell you as soon as he reminded me in my heart that I knew it, but, but I didn't. I had to go and look it up. I knew-ish what it said, but we're gonna read it. This is what it says. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. And this was, I knew by the spirit that this was God telling us one thing, that right now is the time for us to go after him in the place of faith. Because right now he may be found. Right now he is near to release this gift and so, man, we need to be calling on God to give us this gift. Right now, we need to be praying, God, increase our faith. Lord, release your faith on my family, on my church family, and on my community. Amen. This is what the Lord wants us to do right now. And it's so important for us to be praying for faith. Do you know why? Because Jesus says it this way, you receive not because you ask not. You receive not because you, in other words, man, closed mouth, don't give fed. They don't get fed. And then it's funny because in Luke chapter 18, Jesus gives us a parable called the persistent widow. And he's teaching us in that how to pray, how to seek God. And he says this, never stop praying. Never stop asking. Never stop making your requests known to God because then, it says, because then God will hear his chosen ones who cry out before him day and night. Then he'll hear. You know, the apostle Paul says it this way in 1 Thessalonians chapter five. He says, pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. See, this is how we need to be approaching the throne of God with confidence and persistence, making our requests known to him. And, and look, the reason we need to be asking God for faith 
is real simple. James chapter one, verse six, the Bible tells us this. But when you pray, right? He says, pray, but when you pray, you must pray in what? In faith. When you pray, you must pray in faith, telling us this, God requires our prayers to be backed by our faith. If not, it's just a bunch of words floating up in the sky, not going anywhere. See, faith is our power source. Our faith in who's, who God is, is what gets God's attention shifted towards us. That's what causes him to hear from heaven. And right now, he may be found right now. He is near to deliver this gift of faith. And so we need to be praying and asking and being persistent, saying, God, increase our faith. And so he has us in this series titled Faith. Someone shout faith. faith. Amen. So last week, we went through a message titled Bear the Fruit of Faith. And we saw how God requires us to display our faith in season and out of season. We learned that God requires for us to operate in faith in every single season of our life, whether we're in a good season or a bad season, whether we're in an up season or a down season, whether we're in a strong season or a weak season, whether we're in a rich season, which I never knew what that's like, but if we're in a rich season or a poor season, we are told we've got to display faith. We've got to display our faith in who God is. It's always got to be on display. And it was funny, right? Because we, we seen Jesus use a fig tree as his illustration, right? And basically, and I don't have time to recap it all, but basically what we, we've seen is that Jesus says to us, you need a faith greater than a fig tree faith. It's got to be greater than a fig tree faith. In other words, it's got to be greater than seasonal faith, your faith in God. Amen. And look, if you didn't get to hear it, I suggest you go listen to it because God really revealed some amazing truth in the midst of it. And, and to be honest with you, man, that, that message was really for me. A lot of times God gives me a word and the word's for me first, uh, but it really did change the way I pursue God and the way I think about how I got to display my faith even in a car when I'm driving, praise God. <laughs> even then God is watching. <clears throat> but man, we got to have greater faith than a fig tree faith church. But because we talked about bear the fruit of faith last week, this week we're going to talk about how to bear the fruit of faith. Because sometimes, right, it's, it's not enough to just know what we need to do. We need to know how to do what we need to do. Because I, I think it's really important, right, to know how to do something that God is requiring us to do. Like sometimes it's just not enough to know, hey, I need to do this, but then not know how to do it, right? It's sort of like, like this. If, if I told my kids, you need to wash your clothes, but then didn't show them how to wash their clothes, I would probably catch them washing their dirty drawers in my kitchen sink. You know what I mean? Like using the, the, the scrubber that I use for my forks and my stuff cleaning there. You get the picture. Because they would be like, well, wait a minute. I, I, I see my parents washing their dishes, so it must be how I wash my clothes. And see, as a parent, right, I don't want to set my kids up for failure. I want to set them up for success. And so if I told them, hey, you need to go wash your clothes, I would show them how to 
wash their clothes, right? I'd say first you gotta take the laundry out of the laundry basket, then you gotta take the clothes and separate lights with lights and darks with darks, then you carry them into the washing machine, not the sink. And then I would show them how much, how many articles of clothing can go in one load. Then I'd show them how much laundry detergent goes in that one load. Then I'd show them how to turn on the washing machine in order to do their washing, to wash their clothes. I wouldn't tell them just wash your clothes without showing them how to wash their clothes. Because as a parent, right, as a father, I wanna set them up for success. And because God is our father, he does the same for us. So he doesn't just say, hey, bear the fruit of faith without telling us how to bear the fruit of faith. And look, we know that God doesn't desire to set us up for failure, but rather he sets us up for success because in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, he says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord of hosts. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I have plans for you to succeed. And so I have set you up for success. And one of the things that I love about Jesus is this. He never tells us to do something that he hasn't already been willing to give us everything we need to do what he tells us to do. He never does that. And as I was seeking the Lord, right, asking God and praying, saying, God, how do I explain how to? Like, Lord, what part of scripture do I need to go to to explain to your people how to bear the fruit of faith? And he said to me, Mark chapter 11. And I was like, Mark chapter 11 again? Like, there's a lot of scripture in here, Jesus, that we could get to. He's like, no, Mark chapter 11 again. And so for the third week in a row, we're in the exact same portion of scripture. But yet every single week, him bringing something brand new. Him revealing something brand new through the same exact portion of scripture. And I don't know about you, but I find that to be amazing. That literally God wrote this book over thousands of years ago and then used thousands of years to, to put it all together. And it's just as true today as it was back then. It's just as relevant today as it was for them back then. And I love how, man, I can literally read a scripture over a hundred times, but every single time get something brand new because he's the inexhaustible well. And did you know this is why they, they, they call the word of God the living word of God? That's why, that's why it's living. Matter of fact, Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says it this way. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides bone from marrow, spirit from soul. And I love this part. It says, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Not only is the word of God telling us what's happening right now in our actions, but it's saying, I'll even show you what you're about to do. It's the only book that is meant to read us while we read it. It's amazing. It's amazing. And so we can be in the same exact portion of scripture for three weeks. And every single week, God reveals something brand new in order to bring us closer to him. And I think it's very important for us to remember that, man, to put our full weight on the authority of God's word. And what the Lord has showed us in, in Mark chapter 11 thus far is not only that we need to be trained in faith, not only that we, we need to, to bear the fruit of faith, but now he's gonna show us how to bear 
the fruit of faith. And in Mark chapter 11, God showed me two things. Two things. And how these two things tell us how to. These two things. And Jesus is saying in Mark chapter 11, you have to do these two things if you wanna know how to bear the fruit of faith. Are you guys ready for the two things? I'll just tell you right up front what they are. Drum roll, please. Like, no, I'm just kidding. Don't doubt and forgive. You wanna know how to bear the fruit of faith? Do not doubt and forgive. These two things are paramount if we want to bear the fruit of faith. There's no way to bear the fruit of faith if we doubt God and if we don't forgive. We can't do it. And so let's read it again really quickly, starting in verse 22, Mark chapter 11. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself in in the sea and does not doubt, someone shout, don't doubt. In their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you have received it, it will be yours. In other words, what Jesus is simply saying is this, have faith in God and don't doubt. Because if you have faith in God and you do not doubt who God is, then you can pray for absolutely anything. And if you believe that you have received it, reiterating it, don't doubt. If you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Anything that you pray for. And here's what I find with most of us Christians, right? This is what I've found. I found that, that we believe that God exists. Like there, there is a creator. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We believe God exists. We, we, we obviously, we also believe that Jesus died for our sins and that he rose again from the grave. Those two things. As a matter of fact, we couldn't be saved if we didn't believe those two things. We, we wouldn't be believers if we didn't believe that, without that. But here's the thing. Those two things are very basic in our faith. But what we've got to realize is this, is that Jesus is trying to get us trained in faith. That's what he's doing. He's trying to get us past the basics of faith and move into bearing the fruit of faith. And so he's trying to get us uh, to the point to where we don't just believe that God exists, but we believe that God is exactly who he says he is and that he can do exactly what he says he can do because that's where the rubber meets the road. See, he's trying to get us to believe that he is always good and that he's working all things together for our good. He's trying to get us to believe that. That no matter what we are going through, he's still good, he's still God, and he will use all the bad that is happening in my life to produce more good in my life. See, we, we, we gotta believe Jesus is trying to get us to this point to where we will believe he is good no matter what's happening to us. He's trying to, to get us past the basics of faith and move us into this, this realization that he is Jehovah Jireh. The God that provides for all of my needs according to his riches and glory. To believe that no matter what my need is, no matter what it is, whether I need money, whether I need refreshing, whether I need peace, whether I need joy, whatever the need is, that I will believe without doubting that God will give it to me. 
that he is Jehovah Jireh. See, Jesus here trying to take us out of the basics of faith and get us to believe without doubting that he is Jehovah Rapha, the God that healeth thee. That no matter what I'm dealing with, no matter the sickness, whether it's a common cold or the flu, whether it's cancer or COVID, that I believe without doubting that by his stripes, we were healed. Past tense means the healing's already been purchased. That, that I would actually believe that without doubting. This is where Jesus is trying to get us to. Not to just believe that God exists, but to believe God exists in the way he says he exists. To, to believe that he is Jehovah Nissi. The God who reigns over us in complete victory undefeated, never lost a battle, ever. And that no matter what battle I'm facing, whether I'm facing an addiction, whether I'm facing a tough situation, whether I'm just facing this battle with frustration, that no matter what I'm facing, that if God be for me, nothing and no one can stand against me, period. And to know that and to walk in it more than just say it, but to, to be about it. See, see, a lot of times we can believe that God exists, but can we believe that he exists the way he says he exists? And, and, to, and to be honest with you, I would argue that most of the time, most of us, we don't. We don't, we don't believe that. We don't believe that he's always good because if he was always good, why would we be going through the bad that I'm going through? Why would good people go through bad things? Like, like how can he be always good? I hear you, but, but I don't actually believe it, walk in it and receive it. And we don't believe that he is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. We don't believe that. That's why we sit there and we fight and we claw and we scratch in order to get to the top of our profession, competing against everyone around us. We think we got to build the brand and make the moves on the board in order to get to where we want to go because we don't believe he's our provider. We think our job is our provider. Because the truth is, if we, if we actually believed he was our provider... We wouldn't do business the way the world does business. We wouldn't, because we'd know we don't have to. We wouldn't look like the world looks. We would look completely different in how we acted in our businesses, completely different. We wouldn't be doing things that lack integrity in order to get ahead, because we gotta figure this thing out. No, it's because we doubt that he is Jehovah Jireh. We wouldn't be doing things in order to keep our jobs that we know God never told us to do in the first place. We wouldn't do that but because we don't really trust and believe that he's our provider, that somehow I've got to provide, not him. Yeah, we, 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 we doubt him, and so we try to make the moves on the board. We try to, and, and here's, here, here is the truth, right? The way the world is headed, the way it's headed, we better be asking God to remove all doubt. I'm telling you, we better. Because the way it is going, man, we, we haven't seen nothing yet. And so all doubt will have to be removed because we're gonna have to stand firm upon our faith like never before. And listen, not that I discount what we've been through over the last two years, please hear me. I'm not, I'm not discounting any of that. I know it's been, it's been difficult, but according to, to this, according to the word of God that we just got done saying is completely true, that it's the ultimate authority of our life that is relevant right now. According to the word of God in 1 Thessalonians and in Revelation, Man, we haven't seen nothing yet. 
about the battle of the enemy coming against God's elect and chosen. You know, matter of fact, Jesus, he, he warns us of this in Luke chapter 18. He says, when I return to the earth, will I find any faith at all on the earth? And he's talking to the church. He's talking to those that believe, quote unquote, believe. When I return, will I find any faith at all? Then in Matthew 24, he issues another warning. He says, in the end times, even the elect will be deceived. Oh, in other words, even the elect, those who say they believe in me will begin to doubt me because of the testing that is coming against them so great. They, 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 they start doubting and they fall into this trap of doubt, warning us that our faith will be tested. And so we better be asking God, increase our faith, remove the doubt from our heart. Telling us we cannot doubt because the enemy will come after us and trap us with doubt. Doubt is a trap. See, we must believe without doubting that God is always good. We must believe without doubting that he is our provider. And we better believe without doubting that he is our healer. Man, we gotta start believing that and not doubting it whatsoever. You know what I find a lot of times is, is this. We can believe for other people's healing, right? Like, in other words, like you can read in the Bible and see Jesus healed this person and Jesus, oh yeah, 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 I mean, I, I believe that. Yeah, I would say I believe it. And then when somebody comes up and gives you a testimony, like, man, I was just healed, God touched me. Praise God, brother, great job. So we can believe for other people's healings, but when it comes to our healing, we, we start doubting. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I can probably deal with this, it's okay, like, you know. God, you need to heal them, but ah, me, I'm, like we begin to doubt him, but yet Jesus says, he says, hey, listen, if you wanna see and receive your healing, you gotta believe in your healing without doubting, with no doubting. See, see, Jesus is trying to get us here in this Mark 11 passage. He's trying to get us past the basics of our faith and into this place where we believe that God exists the way the word of God says he exists. Not just our paradigm, what tells us how he exists. He's trying to get us to believe that he is actually Jehovah Nisi, our victory. That he'll lead us through every single trial. That matter of fact, the Bible says he goes before us in the battle. Come on, somebody. He actually goes before us. It's not like he's following us up from the rear, like, oh yeah, hey, maybe that'll happen. No, no, he's already in front of us, making every crooked path straight. That's what the Bible says. But, but do we believe that? Or does our circumstances shape our view of God and our faith we put in him, our belief in him? Does our circumstances cause us to doubt? See, if we believed he was our victory, man, we wouldn't be trying to come up with all the plans. As if we, we gotta have all the answers, but, but yet we do. We come up with plan A, B, C, and D, Jack. And this makes us really good administrators, right? Like really good. <laughs> we come up with A, B, C, and D. And then if those A, B, C, and D don't happen to work out for us, like it doesn't go the way we actually want it to go, then maybe we'll turn to God and say, okay, God, I've already did a bunch, so I'm gonna need you to step in. We might, but see, if we actually believed he is our victory, then man, he'd be the first one we'd run to. 
Jesus, this is what my family's dealing with. This is what's happening at my business. Jesus, this is what is going on. And the whole time, God is like, well, you know, you don't need a plan A, B, C, and D. All you need is me. And the truth is, the only one that can stop you is your doubt in me. That's it. That's it. See, our doubt is our greatest enemy. It's our greatest enemy. And the enemy knows this and he tries to exploit us using it as a trap. Doubt's a trap. In Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, we find John the Baptist and he's in prison. He's locked up for preaching and teaching repentance that people can be made right before God. He's locked up because he reveals things to Herod that Herod didn't wanna hear the sin in his life. Like, hey man, you better repent of this. And so they lock him up for his belief in the things he's saying. And here's the thing about John. He was, a, he was a man filled with the spirit of God from his mother's womb, the Bible said. That in his mother's womb, God filled him with the Holy Spirit. And so he was this incredible evangelist and many people were coming to know God through his anointing and through his, his ministry. And, and we've got to remember, right, John the Baptist was the one that baptized Jesus, right? And, and several weeks back, I preached a message titled A Cleansing Faith, and in it, we walked through it a little bit. And what we talked about was how when Jesus was coming to have John the Baptist baptize him, John the Baptist seen him from a long way off. And he begins to minister to those around him, testify to who Jesus is. And he says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the entire world. I baptize you with water for, for repentance and for forgiveness of sin. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so Jesus gets to John the Baptist. And what we're seeing here is this, that John the Baptist has this incredible belief and who Jesus is. He knows without a shadow of a doubt, he is the Messiah. He's the son of God. And Jesus comes to, to John and says, hey, I'm gonna need you to baptize me. But of course, John's like, no, well, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. No, 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 you should baptize me because of who you are. You're mightier than I am. I'm not even worthy to, to untie your sandals. But Jesus is like, no, no, we have to do it this way because the word of God says so. The word of God's the ultimate rule over my life. And so I'm the word of God made flesh, but, but I'm gonna operate according to the word of God because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And if we don't do exactly the way God's word says to do it, we may fall into a doubt trap. We may fall into it. We're not gonna let that happen, John, so you gotta baptize me. Of course, John does what Jesus asks. He baptizes him. When he does, the Bible says that the, the heavens split wide open and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. And John the Baptist sees this and then all of a sudden a voice rings out from heaven. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Be careful to do everything he tells you to do. John the Baptist hears this. He hears this and sees all this. And so he has no doubt who Jesus is. He knows he's the Christ. He knows he's the Messiah. He knows he's the only son of God. He has absolutely no doubt to the point to where he was willing to lay down his life for his belief in the Christ. You gotta really believe in someone or something to give your life for it. Because that's when the rubber meets the road, like when it's actually gonna cost you something, then you'll know if you actually believe. And John's willing to give his life up for it. 
But yet we find him in Matthew chapter 11. And here he is doubting. He's doubting of who Jesus is. He, he's doubting about it. And so he sends his disciples and says, hey, go ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come? Which was a messianic term in the Jewish nation, right? The one who is and was and is to come is what the Bible talks about Jesus. So, so this is a messianic term. Are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? And Jesus says to John's disciples, he says, listen, go and tell John what you've seen and what you've heard. You go tell him, you go remind him that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised, and the poor are receiving the good news. And I want you to remind him again and again, tell him again and again what he's seen and what he's heard before he was locked up and while he's locked up. Continue to remind him even in the middle of the bad situation he finds himself in. And and let me remind you who this is. This is, This is John the Baptist. Jesus said of John the Baptist, he said, there will be no man ever ever born on the earth of a woman that will be greater than John the Baptist. He's the greatest of them all. That's what Jesus says about him. But yet we find him in Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, doubting, doubting God. And what this tells us is it could happen to any of us. It's a real easy trap for us to, to fall into this, this doubting. That when we find ourselves in bad situations and bad seasons, seasons we don't understand and seasons that aren't going to our plan, it's in those times that we must guard against the trap of doubt. We can't fall into it. This is what this shows us in Matthew 11. And after Jesus reminds John the Baptist of of who he is and encourages him to continue to believe and not doubt. This is what he says, Matthew eleven six. He says, blessed is the one that is not offended by me. Or, or happy is the one, blessed is the one, happy is the one who is not offended by me. And the Greek word for offended there is scandalizo. Scandalizo, which literally means a trap. More specifically, it's a hunting trap. This is the picture Jesus is, is painting. It's, it's actually what they call a deadfall trap. Now, I know some of you know this better than me, I'm sure, but I had to do some research and look it up. And that's the Greek word, a deadfall trap. And what it is, is there's a trap set up, rigged in such a way where there's like a crooked stick with a rock wedged on top of it with some food hooked to the, rock, or to the, to the stick. And when the animal grabs the food on the stick, it knocks the stick out and the rock comes down and just crushes the animal. It's a trap and it's a deadly trap. And this is the picture that John, that that Jesus is painting for John the Baptist and for us. And what he is simply saying in this is, is, is this doubt is a trap set by the enemy and it is meant to steal, kill, and destroy everything I have for you. Because if you're offended by me, you will doubt me. And if you begin to doubt me, you will not be blessed by me. This is what Jesus is relaying here. He's saying doubt is a trap and offense is the bait. Our bad situations are the bait, trying to draw us into this trap of doubt. 
And if we take the bait, the enemy will kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus says, by, a, by, by getting offended by anything I say or do, man, you're falling into the, the trap of, of doubt. If you get offended that I am always good, if you get offended that I am Jehovah Jireh, even though you're experiencing some lack in your life, if you get offended that I am Jehovah Rapha, the God that healeth thee when you find yourself in a, in a sick season, if you're offended that I'm Jehovah Nisi, man, then you will begin to doubt me and fall into the trap of doubt. This is what he's saying. And so what Jesus is saying here, you put all this together. He's saying, blessed is the one who does not doubt me. He'll be blessed. She'll be blessed. You know, and I started to think about that word blessed. And again, in the Greek, it means happy. That's what it means, happy. And not a surface level happiness, by the way. Not the kind that, you know, depending on the way the wind's blowing that day, depends on my mood. No, no, no. He's talking about a, a, a joy secure in who God is. That's the kind of happiness. Realizing that my happiness is not based off of my emotions because my emotions are very fickle. One moment I'm up, the next moment I'm down. He's trying to get us past all that. He, but, but, but I was thinking about this happy and, and how there are, are many Christians, many of us who aren't happy, but we're, we're sad. How many Christians, they're, they're not happy, but they're scared of what they're going through. And what Jesus is saying here, he's warning us and saying, look, doubt is causing your sadness. Doubt is. Not the situation you're in. It's the doubt that you've allowed the situation to cause. Doubt causes sadness. Doubt causes fear. And he's saying very simply, you, you can't fall into the trap of doubt because then the enemy will, will steal your happiness. See, we can't afford to allow the enemy or our situations to cause us to doubt the goodness of God, the provision of God, the ability of God and who he is. Because if we do, we cannot be happy. And Jesus says, you will not be blessed. You will not. But, but if we have faith, this is what he's trying to, He's trying to convey to us. But if you have faith in God and do not doubt, then nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible. You can speak to any mountain in your life and tell it to go. And it has to go in Jesus' name. But you must do it without doubting. That's the very first thing he says. Don't doubt. You, you wanna know how to bear the fruit of faith? Don't doubt. And then he goes on in verse 25 and he gives us the second point. And whenever you stand praying, so, so whenever you're standing and you're praying, you're asking God, increase my faith. God, do this in my life. God, make a way when there seems to be no way. Whenever you're standing and praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. So that your father who is in heaven will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive, neither will your heavenly father forgive you. Jesus is, is simply saying this. You cannot bear the fruit of faith unless you forgive. You have to forgive. And this is the reason why most of us Christians, most of the time, don't operate in the power of faith. Because we can't forgive. We, we, we have a hard time letting things go. And, and the reality is, is this, that many of us have 
suffered some sort of abuse by people in our lives. Whether that is spiritual abuse, whether that's emotional abuse, whether that's mental abuse, whether that's physical abuse, most of us have experienced some type of hurt and trauma at the hands of others in our lives, probably even those closest to us. And so it's really easy for us to justify why we, we won't forgive them. It's real easy. Well, they don't deserve my forgiveness. They did this, they did that. And so God understands why I'm not forgiving them. But yet Jesus is clear right here. He's clear. And boy, this can really offend us, causing us to doubt him. This, is, this can be really offensive. Like, you mean I've got to forgive that person? that did that to me, that did X, Y, and Z? God, you're telling me to forgive them or you're not gonna forgive me? That's exactly what I'm saying. Jesus simply telling us, if we wanna bear the fruit of faith, we gotta be a people who forgive. And hear me, he doesn't put any caveats on it, church. There's no caveat. But there's no like, well, if this happened, it's cool, don't worry about it. No, 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 forgive Anyone, if you're holding anything against anyone, forgive them. You better do it. And listen, he understands that your dad wasn't there for you. He understands your family mistreated you. But, but what he's saying is, you have to let them go so that I can take you where I want you to go. But if you don't let them go, I can't take you where... I want you to go. You'll remain right there. And listen to me, Jesus isn't being insensitive to the hurts and pains in our lives. This is Jesus trying to set us free from the hurts and pains in our lives. And listen, when this offends us, we fall into the trap of doubt. Well, I don't. And we don't believe that he is always good. We don't believe that he has only good gifts for us. We don't believe those things. This is Jesus trying to set us free from the hurts and pains. Because what unforgiveness does, and I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm gonna use it anyway like it is. What unforgiveness does to us, church, is it weighs us down. I promise you, it will weigh you down like you've got sandbags all over your back trying to walk and do the next thing that God has called you to do. It's hard to even crawl at that point. Unforgiveness, it binds you and will hold you captive. That's what it does. You know, this year we're entering here is my 10th year of pastoring, 10th year. And, yeah, and some of the days, right, it feels really short. Like, oh, I can't believe it's already 10 years. You know what I mean? But then other days it feels really long. And I'm like, I realize I got more gray hair than I should at 41. Um, but it's my, my 10th year. And over the past 10 years, I've ran into a lot of people, right? Pastored and ministered to a lot of people over the years. And for the most part, right, people are great, man. They, they do nice things, they say nice things, but then sometimes I run into people that aren't so great and I'll keep it holy. But they don't say nice things and they don't do nice things. I've had people do all kinds of stuff and say all kinds of things about me. And I've had people over the years ask me, Pastor, how, how can you be nice to them? How can you be good to them even though, how can you speak well of them even though they, they did all this to you? 
How can you do them right when they've done you so wrong? And my simple response to them is is this, because there's no way I'm gonna let that person keep me from what God has for me. There ain't no stinking way. There's no stinking way. There's no way. I'm not going to allow that person that hurt me hold me from what God wants for me. It's not gonna happen. Because let me tell you what I found about forgiveness. This is what I found out about it in my life. And believe me, I've had to forgive things that you wouldn't wanna forgive, but I had to. But what I found out was that forgiveness is a release. And I'm telling you, when I was working through this, was, God gave me this real short vision for just a moment. And I seen like this lever above me. And that like when you pull this lever, the floodgates of heaven opened up. It was like a trap door, but above me. That's how it registered in my mind. It was like this release valve. And the moment we forgive, we release. We will release God's favor. We will release God's blessing. We will release God's abundance and we will release God's forgiveness on our lives. If we can forgive. And man, when we forgive, we will release God's faith and we will be filled in ways we never thought filled. And this is why God requires us to forgive. Not because he's trying to be insensitive and he doesn't understand our plight. No, 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 no. He understands he was there, he was. But if we desire to bear the fruit of faith, we gotta be a people who forgive. We have to be, we have to be. And you know, when I was preparing for this this message, right? I was preparing for it. I was almost done, which I am right now, by the way, I'm wrapping up, but I was almost done and I was finished up. I thought I was done with the message. And and the the Lord said to me, tell them, tell them this, tell them, I'm talking to them too. Tell them that I mean they have to forgive themselves too. And man, I tell you, I'm telling you, the spirit of God entered the room in such a way. I had tears flying down my face. I didn't know what was happening. I was like, this is weird, Lord. I'm by my side. What is this? Ugly crying. And what God was showing me in that moment that there was many people that need to hear that, that you need to forgive yourself that you've got to forgive yourself. See, a lot of times we can forgive others. But for some reason, we have a hard time forgiving ourselves for the things we've done, for the things that's happened to us. We have a hard time with that. And listen to me, what we are saying when we're not willing to forgive ourselves is that what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary wasn't enough wasn't enough. God's got to do something more for me. In order for me to forgive me, God's got to do something extra for me. As if him laying down his life as a living sacrifice wasn't enough to cover your sin, to forgive all of your sin, to toss your sin as far as the east is from the west and drown it in the sea of forgetfulness. And today I feel like the Lord's like, oh no, 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 you're forgiven. Let it go. Be released, be set free, be forgiven. Allow me to pour out on you what I wanna give you. Allow me, so let it go. You know, the apostle Paul says it this way, forget what lies behind you and press towards the high call you have in Christ heavenward. Understanding the forgiveness 
that God has given you. It's amazing. And I tell you, we, we cannot doubt the forgiveness that God has given us because it's amazing. What a beautiful thing it is that when we come to the Lord, the Bible says the blood of Christ covers us from all unrighteousness and we stand before the Father as though we've never sinned in our life, ever. Never. He's never kept a tally of wrongdoing when you give your life to his son. It's beautiful. Listen, if we wanna know how to bear the fruit of faith, first we gotta not doubt. We can't doubt God and who God says he is because the enemy is trying to use this trap of doubt, use the bait of offense, and use the bait of our bad situations to keep us from bearing the fruit of faith, to keep us from operating in the power that God desires for us to operate in. And here's the thing, man, when we find ourselves in seasons like John the Baptist and we're doubting, okay, well, then we, we go to the Lord and we begin to pray. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief in this area. I haven't experienced you yet in this area as a healer. I've, I've just never had it done. God, so, so help my unbelief. I've never had you set me free from anything. And so God, let me know that you're my deliverer, that you're my victory, God. Reveal yourself to me. We, we gotta start praying. But as we're praying, allow God to start revealing the unforgiveness in our lives. And then start letting it go. Release it so that God can release what he desires for you to have. Those two things are key to know how to bear the fruit of faith. And it will cause God to release his faith upon us 